What's up, church? Hey, we're glad to have you guys. And uh, hey, this is week two of Elephant in the Room. And uh, before we dive in, um, I want to take just a second and uh, kind of pause and uh, shift gears. And I want to just kind of share with you real quickly um, something that's happening within our own just leadership team. Um, on Thursday, I got a call from Jose Amavisca. Jose is on our connections team, and so he helps uh, plug people in. Um, just to areas of service. Um, his wife's father, uh, who lives in Mexico, had a brain aneurysm on Thursday. And uh, just really uh, just been a challenging time for them. And uh, they called us on Thursday. Obviously, we're like, look, you need to take off and you need to go. And um, you need to go be with him. And, and uh, on their way Friday, um, they went all day, traveled yesterday, traveled another day, uh, really a half a day, and but he passed away on their travel yesterday. And uh, just for them, it's just been, you know, obviously it's a challenging time. And just the, the emotions of being here in the States and you're away from your family, there's always already a commitment there that they've made to ministry and to the Lord. But one of the things that we shared with you guys about a year ago is that Jose was going to come on to our team for a period of time where we kind of trained and equipped him to get ready to church plant. And so he's actually heading to Mexico in about a year from now. And um, it's interesting uh, that this here, in a sense, has just kind of spurned that on. And uh, he's actually going to be going to Carretero, uh, Mexico, which is where Romance's dad lives. And so they're going to be there. And in the midst of mourning, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, uh, we also just need to be praying as a church that there is something fresh and new that's born there. Um, the reason that we are here uh, in, at Stone Point is because of two circumstances that were impacted our families greatly. And I had in our family, we had the death of uh, my nephew when he was three years old. And then I had the death of one of my best friend's dad, all in the period of 48 hours. And that's how God used that and hurt and pain to to, to do what he's done here in our community in this county over the last six years. And so our prayer is, is that God would use that um, for his good and, and for, for his glory. And uh, so let's just pray for them now. And if you would join me, and then we're going to dive in um, to this. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for the privilege of gathering as your people. And Lord, we know that despite all the challenges that we may have here, all the things that don't necessarily go the way we think they should go, Lord, you're still in charge. And God, just to be reminded of that is a good thing. And Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of hurt and loss and pain, even in the midst of suffering on this earth, Lord, you have promised us in your word that you'll never leave nor forsake us. God, you have given us a clear view of, of yourself in scripture, that you are with us, that we can cast all of our cares upon you, whether we're weary or heavy laden, that you would give us rest. And Father, we look forward to that day of just eternal rest. And Lord, we look forward to the day that you return and that you call us home. But Lord, until then, may we just rest in you. May we rest in your promises. May we rest in your power. And Father, we pray for Jose and for Romance that they would find comfort and strength. That we we would see your provision in their lives, not only from the church, but God, just from your, your presence in their lives. Father, I pray that in the midst of the, the mourning and the pain, that there would be just a, a new seed, a, a sprout of new life that's happening in Mexico. And Father, we pray that, Lord, that you would begin the opportunity to build relationships and even a the influence for Jose to pastor his family and a greater opportunity to pastor those 
that he's going to come in contact with in the next week. May you just be with him. May you just begin to form the most foundational elements of fertile ground. God, we trust you and we thank you for your benevolence, your kindness, and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so as we talk about um, this, one of the things that um, I think of when I think about Jose or Ferromance is how do we as a church respond? And obviously you think, man, because he's a pastor here, man, our entire church needs to do something. But let me explain something to you. The goal is for him to, to see his needs met through his community. And so he's in a journey group here. And uh, in that community, they are going to begin caring for him and, and meeting needs for him and romance. And then from there, it may go outwards. But the bottom line is, all of us in this room, we need to be cared for through community. And so really the challenge that I want to address today is that very challenge of biblical community. The, the thing that we oftentimes don't necessarily understand that we need, but biblically we see that there's a huge importance for. And I want you to know that scripture has showed us time and time again our need for not only community, but for a community that's centered on the right things. Um, and so the question is, is like, what's the purpose of getting together with community? What's the reason that you and I need that? And the better question is, is why is that an elephant in the room? Like, why, why are we even going to talk about it? You're, so you're saying that community, people getting in small groups is one of our biggest challenges. And here's the reason that we would say yes, is because we believe that what you have in community and in journey groups, that culture allows you to go further and to address bigger issues in our life and in our church. Matter of fact, the next couple of weeks, I'm going to lay out some challenges that we have grappled with for quite some time. There are going to be challenges that are uh, you know, based off of space and finances and all these different things that oftentimes baffle us as leaders. But the deal is, is this, your ability to handle those challenges are oftentimes largely based on who's speaking into your life. And so if you think, man, all the church wants from me is my money or all they want from me is my time, then most likely you're missing some of the greatest basics of community. And the reason why is because you see the church as something that they want something rather than something they offer. And see, the church is not the time that just we meet here. And that's what we have seen in America. We see the church as an hour that we attend on Sunday as opposed to a lifestyle that we live out in our, in our lives. And so here's the deal. If you think, man, the the substance I need happens on a weekend and an hour, then you're missing out on some of God's greatest blessing in your life. And we want to call you to see why. And I think it's largely based off of biblical principles. George Mueller says this. He says, the vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and our thoughts. I solemnly state this from the experience of 54 years. And then he says, I have read the Bible through 100 times and have always with increasing delight. Each time it seems like a new book to me. Great has been the blessing from consecutive, diligent, daily study. And I look upon it as a lost day when I've not had good time over the word of God. So like he goes, the word of God is central. And the question is, is do we teach the word of God? And the answer is, Yes, like we do. We teach the word of God. But here's what we're saying. Us teaching the word of God in a 35-minute segment on a Sunday morning is not enough for the believer. 
It's not enough for you. It's, it, it is, in sense, a vitamin C. It is not a good proportionate meal for you. And a proportionate meal doesn't come just from this segment, but it's oftentimes it's spurred on through community and accountability, people asking you about what God is teaching you in the word. And the, the deal is, is our pastors, we have one full-time pastor for about 200 people that attend here. We can't ask every single person individually, like what God's teaching in the word. We can't call every single person, but if you're in community, then you can have a group of 10 or 12 or 13 people that you're doing life with and you're sharing stories with and you're growing with. And that's the goal. Because if we have many of those people getting out of rows and into circles, we're going to get much better equipped as a church. And so our goal is is truly that, to get you out of rows and into circles, get you into smaller community. As our church grows larger, we want you to grow smaller. William Wilberforce says this about God's word and the, the ability for us to put it into action. He says, there are four things that we should do with the word of God. One, admit that it is the word, commit it to our hearts and our minds, submit to it, and then what? Transmit it to the world. And so our goal is to begin allowing you to do those things. Uh, D.L. Moody says it this way, the Bible is not given for information, but for our transformation. And so the question is, is the Bible being lived out in your life? And if so, how is it being lived out? Is it honestly just through a time in which you study it on a Sunday morning? Or is there something more central, more elemental that's happening in other contexts? And so we believe that the Bible is important, obviously, right? Psalm 1 says it this way, uh, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates it day and night. And then look, he goes, He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its various season. Its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. But look, the wicked, it is not so. They are like chaff that will be, what, blown away by the wind. And so the idea here is this. We want to be around people who know God's word and who meditate on his law day and night. And here's what we'll say. We'll say when it comes to the challenge of community and what we call journey groups is that people who do not get into groups within two to three years of being here will not stay here much longer. And the reason why is because there's going to be a reason that you'll become discontented with the church. You'll realize that, man, the church is growing and it's, it's bigger than what you thought it would get. And, and man, it's just not really for you anymore. And the reason that you and I need people speaking to our lives through godly community is to remind us of the things that God has called us to. And that begins with the basis of God's word. And so the question is, is where do we base groups from? Where do we even begin that process? And we always get it from Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me there. But in Acts chapter 2, here's what you see. You see a group of people who started in an upper room. There was about 120 of them. And on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on these 120 people in the other upper room and the church is born. And then you see a description of what happens. It's not a prescriptive passage. It's not like you go to the doctor and he goes, hey, do this and all of your churches will explode, okay? But it's a description of what happened in the early church 
But as I look at this description, there are many things in here that are very appealing to me. They're appealing to me because they, they spur on things like community and authenticity, and they spur on things like giving to each other as they have need. It reminds me of the Amaviscas. In a time of need, who are they going to call on? And what's interesting is they're not going to call on the entire body here at Stone Point. You know who they're going to pick up the phone and call? They're going to call the 12 people that they do life with. That's where they're going to begin. And when those 12 people don't have the answer to all their questions or can't make all the provisions that they have in their time of need, do you know where they're going to go? They're going to go to our senior leadership team and they're going to go, hey, how can the entire body help? And we're doing that all the time and it happens through biblical community. And so look at it in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says they, meaning the early church, were continually what? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, everyone there kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they began to what? Sell their property and their possessions. And they were sharing with them with all as anyone might have need. Now, doesn't that sound pretty spectacular? I think about it. I mean, the early church was built off of great relationships. But the relationships hovered around a couple of central things. Look in verse 42. They devoted themselves continually to what? The apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? It is the word of God. Like that was, the, that was the, the center portion of what they met about. So they, they meet about God's word. They're praying. They have fellowship. They're breaking of bread. They're, they're sharing life together. But then they began to see God do something amazing. There was a sense of awe that was overtaking them. And as God's spirit led them, they began to do things sacrificially. Now, let me ask you a question. Are y'all with me, church? Yes. yes. Do you want to be a part of a church that's life-giving, that's authentic, that's making a radical difference? Or do you want to be a part of something where you show up, you sing a few songs, you hear some guy challenge you, and then send you out on the way? Because we're not that church. Our goal is not to be a place where you come and sit and soak and then stay. Like our goal is to move you out into groups. And so we're very consistent with that. Like we believe that the church exists not for ourselves, but for people outside of our walls. Matter of fact, if you think about it, in history, we are the only organization that exists for the good of our non-members. You, you, you pay for a country club membership so that they serve you. But it's interesting, the church is the, the organization in which you give of your time, of your money, of your talent, of your ability sacrificially Trusting that God is going to do something, not just for you, but for others outside of your walls. Now, isn't that crazy concept? It's a very crazy concept as a leader of a local church. And the reason why is because you're existing primarily based off of people doing something for the good of others. Now, where does the church oftentimes get hung up? The church gets hung up when people shift the mentality of a biblical church and they make it more about themselves than about the good of others. And so how do you remind each other about the church existing for the good of its non-members? And here's how, through community, through people reminding each other why we do what we do. And so here in verse 46, it says, day by day, the church continued with one mind in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. 
they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Like people outside of the context of the early church noticed how attractive the early church was. And then you go, well, Brandon, the early church obviously were in small groups and they were kind of confined to themselves. But the question is, is were they really? Because look at the final verse at the very end. And it says, and the Lord was adding their number day by day, those who were being saved. So here's a question. Here's a leadership challenge and dilemma that I want you to comprehend because in our church, we've grown from 13 to over a thousand people in six years. Okay. So as you're thinking through that, just hypothetically, the question is how do you get people into groups? How do you get them out of seats? How do you get them into groups? Then beyond that, think about the early church. In one day, you'll see later on the church grew by 3,000 in one day. Now that's, that's, that makes our leadership challenges seem kind of minute, don't they? Minuscule, yes? But here's the question I have for you. If you were in my shoes and you were leading the, the early church and you were some of the apostles or say you were the 120 people in the upper room, the Holy Spirit fell on you, what do you do? Do you go, hey, we're gonna form a handful of groups with the 120 of us and we're gonna leave the 3,000 to themselves? Or do you go, hey, you know what? We know more about what God has done. We were with Jesus. Why don't I take some of them? And why don't I take some of them? And they began to multiply. Do you see the difference? What happens in the church? What happens, here's a challenge that oftentimes happens in the church. You get into a group of people and you go, I love these people so much. And I want to stay with them until Jesus comes back. I mean, I, I cannot get into another group. And if I get into another group, then man, you're going to have to kill me or something. I'll leave the church if you get, you know. And the question is this, is that really the heart of the early church? Think about it. If you and I exist for the good of our non-members, the question is, is are we doing that? And so here's a handful of challenges that we have when it comes to this. And so here's what we want to encourage you with. We want to encourage you to be biblical in community. John Ortberg says this, he says, God uses people to form people. This is what happens between you and another person, which is, it means that it's never merely human to human interaction, but the spirit longs to be powerfully at work in every encounter. So here's what I'm saying. God has you in a season with some people, but the reason oftentimes we want to stay there is because we're afraid to meet new people. We're afraid to go out and build new relationships. And here's why. Because we see what, where we are in the context of those relationships as the only place we should be. And the problem is with that is that you're minimizing the impact that the Holy Spirit can have in your life by bringing new people for you to disciple and train and cultivate new ground with, which was the challenge from last week. To emulate Jesus, from there to cultivate new ground, and then from there to duplicate people. How do you do that? When you realize that God puts other people in your life for the purposes of molding and shaping you. Now, you may be in a group right now and you go, I can't go to another group because I don't like the group I'm in now. <laughs> and yeah, man, have you seen these people's kids? I mean, I, mean I, I just can't hardly stand it. I mean, I can't even concentrate. And here's the deal. If you see that God gives people to form people, then you realize that God has those people and those kids in your life, in your context to teach you patience. And we no longer see people as a problem, but actually a part of the blessing to grow us and to mature us into completeness of Christ. See, we're looking at people the wrong way. See, we fear community because we're afraid we're gonna get hurt. 
We're afraid that people are going to know us too well, but the greatest thing about being known is to be loved in spite of being known. Isn't that a valuable thing to, to be known, but yet to still be loved? That happens when you realize that God uses people to form people. See, you and I cannot, we cannot buy the lie or the notion that we can be all that God wants us to be without his people. And so if you come and you merely listen to a message, sing a few songs, and you walk out the door, you are believing a lie because you believe that that's what the church exists for, to teach me something I can leave. And no, the church exists for the good of the people here and its non-members. And it means that you have to eventually take a step of faith and get to being with God's people. Why? Because God teaches us through three things. One, God's word. Two, God's people. And then prayer and the Holy Spirit. And without all those components, you and I are going to be on an island and we're going to be isolated. We're going to be somewhat withdrawn. And we're always going to be wondering if there's more for us in the church. The problem is in order to get connected deeply, to take steps, that means that you have to get around people who test your patience. And see, you may be here and you go, well, there's not really anybody in my group that tests my patience. Well, then listen, you are that person. (laughs) It's you. And so that's a great opportunity for you to go group this week, guys. Hey, guys, I had a discovery. I'm the problem with our group. (laughs) Confess it, repent, great authenticity, and go, hey, be patient with me. God uses that to train us and to mold us and to shape us. That's what community is about. I got to tell you that there's some challenges that we have. And so instead of me addressing them specifically, I'm going to call Cody up here in just a second. And, and, but I wanted you to see something that we've noticed, okay? Through the 4C assessment, there's a few things that I think are really encouraging. And then there's one thing that to me is particularly alarming, okay? And so let me just kind of start with the encouraging thing. Um, 70% of our journey groups, members that were surveyed and that did it, they say that they believe their, their journey group to be effective at communicating a uh, connection to God, caring for other Christians and those unbelievers. So existing for the good of its group, but also for non-members, 70% of our groups would say, hey, I, I do a pretty good job, participants, okay? Then there's another 24% say, well, we mostly do a good job. And then there's four and then another half a percent. So a little over 5% go, no, we don't do a good job at all. Like we really stink in that area. But proportionally wise, basically you've got 70% of people go, no, I think we do a pretty good job with that. We we probably are, are somewhat external. Although we've noticed that there are some of our groups that they're not. They're pretty internal. They kind of keep it about them and they're not really remembering the, the reason that we exist, right? It's for the good of other people too. And so your groups, we ought to be serving together. We ought to be finding ways that we can bless other people outside of the context of our own little holy huddle. I mean, think about it like this, okay? On a football team, the good football teams that win Super Bowls, they don't always stay in the huddle, do they? Like there's a point in time where they get in the huddle and they call a play and then they go ready break and they go and run a play. Agree? You're like, I don't know anything about football. Well, listen, they don't stay in huddles forever and we, we shouldn't either. So we huddle to go be ministering agents throughout the world. So we call a play and then we run it. And we come back and we call a play and we run it. Do you understand? And so the goal is to get in circles so that we can be effective. We're, we're doing a marginally okay job with that. 
Now, the other part comes to, do people feel cared for? Obviously, in the early church, they gave to each other as they had need. There was a care that was happening within groups. And I am excited to see, this is very encouraging, 84% of journey group members say they feel cared for by other members. 15% said somewhat, and then 1% said no, I don't feel cared for. All in all, that's pretty good. When, when you have 85% almost of people in journey groups that say are cared for, that means that you're doing something right. That's encouraging. But let me show you where I was a little bit alarmed. And I think this is what brings about the conversation that I want to have with Cody is this, is when it comes to the area of being accountable and really taking a, a deep dive into scriptures being confronted with authenticity, accountability, and some of the challenges we have there, we have 54% of the people who say, yes, I feel like my spiritual growth is going a lot deeper. So one out of two people say, yeah, I feel like that's happening. And then you have 26%, almost 27% say, well, sometimes. And then you have another 13% who say no. And then you have another 5% who say no, but it's on me because I'm having a hard time finding people to trust. And so obviously that brings up a whole nother factor. You got 5% go, I want to trust somebody. I just don't know how or who. That's, so for you, we encourage you to come to Regen and begin community there, addressing some of the reasons that you have a challenge trusting people. And that's good. But for others of us, we got to address the question, are we missing authenticity? And are we merely focusing our group around things that aren't all that important? For instance, the early church, what did they base it around? They based it off of God's word, prayer, the teaching of the scriptures, but also fellowship and breaking bread. Okay. So the question is, if, if you were to ask or answer the question, I asked you, hey, why does your group exist? What would you base your group around? If you said, well, we base our group off of the Cowboys football schedule. That's probably not good. Understand? If you say, well, we kind of base it off of, you know, soccer schedules or, hey, we base, obviously there's a time and a place for that. But the question is, is what do you do when you meet? So, hey, what is your group doing really well? Well, we, we eat really good together. Is your group consistently, you eat together and you go, oh man, we've, we've eaten together an hour and 15 minutes. Hey guys, we've only got 15 minutes left. Hey, let's just catch up next week. Y'all ever been a part of a group like that? Maybe. And so the question is, how do we go further? And so we're going to call the expert up, okay? Um, his, his name is Cody. Come on up here, Cody. Y'all give a hey, Cody. Hey, y'all, come be lively. Come on. Woo! We need one of those little pause screens, right? What's up, Cody? What's up? Um, I'm, I'm not the expert. I'm just the guy. Yeah, he, he so here's, here, we call him the expert because he's the only guy who would take a part-time job that paid very little. And then we just stuck the name pastor on it. Pretty much. And calling qualified. Yeah. And this is actually the first time he's ever called me an expert. So, Pastor Cody, I, don't believe you. I think you're an expert in journey groups. I can't wait to hear from you. That's the Fantastic. second time. Third time? Third, I don't know. Here you go. I hope let's you got something on. insightful. Okay. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, oh, let's start with journey groups, right? That's what you would like. But I'm going to start something else. A couple of weeks ago, he did a, a message on singleness. And the one thing you never, I mean, you, you clarified all the benefits of singleness, but you never clarified like for you, like, do you prefer blondes, redheads, do you brunettes? I mean, I would like them to have hair, not on their face, facial hair, you know, like, just, just, just some hair on your head. That's fine. That's it. I mean, you don't care about their heart or anything about that. I mean, you, you asked about the color of their hair. So I just having hair, that's the answer to that. Okay. So you are more concerned about their heart than anything. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Um, hey, just real quick, we're going to flash his number up on the screen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no moving on to journey groups, okay? Uh, so, like, if, if there is... I will is... tender my resignation. <laughs> we'll have to get another expert. Any experts in small group? Uh, Let's move on. So, if there was one challenge that you said we need to address as a church specifically related to this, you've been doing this for almost a year, what would that one challenge be? Um... One challenge is, is hard. I mean, there's, I mean, we have a lot of challenges. Um, you know, I'm coming up on just being a year doing this now, and I've seen several challenges. You know, we have, we have challenges with our leaders. We have challenges with our, you know, members. And then there's always the challenge of getting those that aren't in a group plugged into a group. So it's, um, it's hard to say just one, one challenge. So I guess maybe we could categorize it, you know, with leaders, non-members and, or leaders and members and non-members. Okay, that's fair enough. So, but it, so let's just talk talk to a leader. If you're a leader in here, let's take just a second. And so, if if there were a couple of things that you would encourage leaders to do, what would they be? For leaders, I would again. There's so many things that you know I'd like to convey to our leaders. Uh, but uh, one thing that I, I believe is very important for our leaders is is for them to be mindful and and remind themselves of you know what's What's the reason that they originally started leading a group? You know, for a leader in here, what was, what was the purpose that you decided to start leading people? You know, because essentially, you know, leaders, you're you're pastors of people. Your 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 journey group is a small flock of sheep. You know, and you're the pastor. You're their shepherd. You know, so what was your purpose in deciding to lead those people? You know, and and I I hope that it's it was at the Lord's leading. You know, that's the foundation of it. You know, I hope that you weren't necessarily just pushed into it. You know, but um. What's the purpose? And I hope that purpose was because you had a desire to lead people to a better and deeper relationship with the Lord, you know, and not just with the Lord, you know, but to get in His Word and just to get in biblical community with others and just help people uh, move along, you know, in their relationship with the church and with 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 the Lord. Yeah. And well, as I said, well, you kind of talked like a little bit about that in terms of leaders. One of the things I think that was kind of reality for me personally about three years ago in the life of our church was that I could no longer take our church to places that I haven't been, meaning that I kind of I was kind of the capping point I think for our church in terms of my spiritual growth and um, I, I was doing a lot of things I think out of my own ability as opposed to really just seeking the Lord and asking for His wisdom and leadership and. I think for me, a couple of years ago, three now probably, I realized that I can't take my wife, my kids, or our church to a place that I haven't been. And so speak to that. I know we ask that question a lot, like what's God teaching you in the Word? You know, how are you leading at home? How do you encourage leaders in that, that area to go further? Yeah, um, yeah, for leaders, you know, your group members, you know, they're – they're generally not going to rise and excel above the point their leaders are at. You know, they're just, they're going to rise to the level of their leaders. So for leaders, I would say, you know, be prepared, be in the word, you know, I mean, this, this would be, should be the basis of everything we do, even outside of a, a journey group, you know, but through this, we're instructed and we know from your message earlier that we need to be in community, but for leaders, just, you know, be prepared, you know, come to group, prepared for what you're going to talk about you know i can remember when there were times when um when i was leading a group if i wasn't prepared you know it was, everybody noticed it was it was clear you know and and 
And who in here, what journey, out of journey group leaders that may be in here, who has ever gone to your journey group and thought, oh, I'm going to wing it tonight? It's happened. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it happens right? from time to time, right? And how did that go for you, you know? Um, but we go, you know, with the mindset, I'm going to wing it, the Spirit's going to take over. Yeah, that, that, hey, you know? I, I'm just trusting the Spirit tonight, yeah. And, and He very well may. I'm not saying the Spirit's not there, but, but when we're prepared, our group members see that. You know, me as a leader, you know, I, I can't, you know, you're not going to follow someone who's not leading you, you know. So if I'm not prepared for things that y'all need to have for me, you're going to see that. You know, and you're gonna come back. Your members, if you're not prepared, they're gonna see it and they're gonna respond in kind. You know, and you've been I imagine you've been part of it. I hope it hadn't been often, but I've been part of journey group meetings where no one's talking. You know what I mean? Because no one's prepared to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that. Like what tools do we have for leaders? I know we have right now media that we've done lately, but I know you and Brian have been kind of talking about some other things for leaders. So, like, what do you, what, how can we help leaders grow? Um, right now, media has been a fantastic resource. I mean, it kind of took a while for some of our, our group leaders to grab a hold of it and start using it, but um, fantastic resource with just a plethora of studies, just so much good information stuff that journey groups lose. And I've heard great things coming out of groups that are now doing studies on that. But moving forward, um, in the future, in August, we're going to have for the first time a Journey Group Leaders Retreat. It's going to be um, August 18th and 19th, and it's just it's going to be two days where our leaders can unplug from what you know their normal routine. They can get away for a couple days. You know, we'll have a speaker, but it's a chance for them to be poured on and poured into and loved on by someone other than us. You know, we'll be there, but just a time for them to disconnect. Where is that? It's going to be at Sky Ranch. Okay. So August, what is it? Come on. Are y'all with this? Come on. What is it? August. There you go. Put it on your calendar. I know there's not a ton of leaders in this room, but. And there'll be more information to come later on that, but that's something you can look forward to, be praying about, and join us in praying about it and just seeing what the Lord does with it. And just be a great opportunity for leaders to get to know other leaders, you know, and just build a community of journey group leaders so you can lean on each other, you know as well as is as leaning on us. So. Okay, so let's talk, let's let's shift real quickly for the sake of time. Um, if we're talking to not just leaders, but those who are in groups, okay? So if you're in groups, then the question is, is what, what do you hope to see for those who are in groups? And um, I know one of the things that we've seen as a challenge here is that oftentimes people go, oh, I'm a member. I know that I signed up to get into a group. The problem is they get into a group and on paper, the reality is they're on, in a group on paper, but then you look and they're like, they went two times. So it's two times out of 15. Is that, is that good? Is that, is that what you were hoping for? No, no. What do you want two, from them? Two times out of 15 is going to be horrible. That's horrible. That's, that's, I'm going to consider that not really in a group. Um, you may be on a roster, and I understand things happen, you know, in our lives. Things come up. But for for group members, if you're in a group, you know, be in the group. You know, be part of it. Be there. Um, you know, and and same thing, too. You know, I want to say, I would say, like like with the leaders, if, if you're in a group, a group member, be prepared as well. You know, be there. Be open, but be prepared. You know, know you know, if you know the study, you know what you're going to be going over, you know. Be part of it. You know, don't come just to be poured on and leave. Just like we challenge you not to come on a Sunday morning, be poured on and leave. You know, yeah. 
but come and, and, and be so part be of it. So be active, be engaged, be present. Yes, because we want we want our groups, you know, it's to be an authentic biblical community. We want to, people to live authentically with each other and be open. But if you're not open, if you're coming to group and you're closed off and you're not sharing anything, you're not going to grow with those people. And those people in turn are going to see how closed off you are. And, you know, we would hope that that group would push you you know, and not leave you where you're at. But generally, the more walls you throw up, the harder it is for people to engage you. So come, come to group, be engaged, be open. Okay, so hypothetically, though, we put them in a group that just stinks, okay? Um, and so one of the things that we saw on our 4C survey is that people got to rate their groups one to five, five being best, one being worst. And I was actually a little bit surprised by uh, some of these statistics. Um, 53%, so about one out of every two would rate it as a five. Um, from there, uh, 35% said a four, 10% said a three, and then basically about 3% said um, a two or less. But really very few that said my group just stinks, okay? But which is which is great, which is good. But let's hypothetically let's say that there is someone in this room that they go, my group stinks. Like it just it it stinks. It does not do anything that y'all say. You're talking about building community, authenticity, studying the Bible, all these things, and y'all have made it to be something that it's not. What's the plan? Like we just leave them there and let them suffer for the gospel, or like is there an exit plan? Can they just because? The reality no. is, is if, if there's somebody that's only going two out of 15 times, they could go, I'm only going two out of 15 times because I just don't like going. So yes. what's their step? Yeah, their step is, you know, naturally the goal is we want everyone to rate their group five. Every member, every leader to say, my group is a five and and believe it, that be it. But, you know, threes are good. I mean, our ministry is, is doing well. But for that person that is genuine, genuinely unhappy within their group, you know, and they're there. They want to contribute, but they're just not fitting in. You know, your first response should 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 not be keep it to yourself. You know, or just simply answer that on a, on a survey. But that's go to your leader. You know, that's that's what your leaders are there for. You know, they're there to encourage. They're there to to shepherd you. And if you're not fitting in, if it's not working out, you know, talk to your leader about it. You know, and let them know what's going on, what your opinion is, and what you feel some of your challenges are. And start a conversation, you know, to just start reconciling whatever those things may be, you know, that's kind of causing you to not really fit in and like it, you know. And in addition to that, I mean, the hierarchy, and I've, and I've heard from some that people just didn't know what to do in that situation. They didn't know where to go. You know, your first step is your journey group leader, right, because that's within your group. You know, biblically, you want to keep it within that group. But if you can't find reconciliation at that step, the next step is to come to me as the journey group's pastor. You know, so member to leader to me, and we'll have that conversation. And from there, if still needs, we can't reconcile it, then we'll bring in, you know, senior leadership. You know, and that's just, that's the steps that we need to take as a church and as a community to reconcile because we don't want to leave you where you're at unhappy because if you're in a group and you're not growing, then, you know, your group isn't functioning as it should be functioning, but we can't help you to grow if we don't know what's going on. And I don't know if we can, I don't know if, if we don't know the challenges that are presented within your group, then how do we ever address the challenges? So everybody just leaves discontented, right? So uh, I would just say Matthew 18 instructs you to go to that person. And then if that person will listen and you can reconcile, great. Maybe you're like, I'm going to the guy because he never prepares. And I tell him that, but I still want out of the group. Well, here's the deal. 
you still need to take those steps. You need to tell him why you're leaving and why you're going back to Group Link. At the same time, you need to let us know so that we can help address the challenge with our leaders, right? That's how our church grows and gets better. Okay, so enough about uh, leaders and group members. Now let's talk about the 50% of the people in here that aren't in a group, okay? And so here you go. Y'all ready for it? We got, I got one question. Why do they need in a group and how are you going to help them get into one? Well, you need in a group, and for the interest of time, you can watch this online, and everything he said before I came up here is why you need to be in a group. Uh, but just biblical community, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to grow on your own. The scripture is adamant. You're not going to grow on your own. We are meant to connect with others, you know, biblically to grow together relationally so that we can take that outside of this church and grow and bring others in. So you have to, that's, that's why you do it. But um, if you're in here and you're not in a group, Get in, get in a group. Now, the way we do that, it's you know, it's, it's easy to say that. Just get in a group. Hey, get in a group today. Yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Let's pray. <laughs> but really, get in a group. But the way we get people into journey groups is is what we call group link, and we do that twice a year. And group link is where we take this information here, what the message you got this morning, in a lot more detail, just to let you know this is what our journey group ministry is about. This is why we do it, so that you know what to expect going into it. And this is how we connect you with other members and leaders as well. The problem is we do that twice a year, once in January and once in August. So if you come to the church, you know, and you join a church in, in February or March, or you're interested in a journey group, you know, about this time of year, and you check that box on your communication card, then I send you an email, and then you get this email saying, man, fantastic, we're glad you want to get in a journey group. Here's how you do it. It's a group link. Oh, but the next group link isn't until August, which is six <laughs> So if you don't away. mind, just check out our services for six months, basically. Essentially, and... In the last couple of weeks, I've been sending, there's been a lot of people interested. I've been sending a lot of emails like that. I just like, I, how do we leave these, how do we leave people out for that many months, you know, who want to get plugged in? So what we decided to do was add a group link. I mean, that was the easiest fix is add another group link. So um, April 30th, we will be having our next group link. And um, for those of you that are not in the group, I encourage you to begin praying about that. Pray about getting in a group and then plan for it as well. You know, look at which stage of life you're in, what, what nights you can meet, you know, really start planning out your schedule and how you can plug in with the group. So pray about it, then plan for it, and then just go ahead and pull the trigger. There you go. Pull, pull the trigger. Okay, so here's a, there you go, country boy. Uh, so let's end with this, okay? Um, he, how do you pull the trigger? Here's how it happens, okay? Um, you at least say, hey, we're interested in a group. And so we have what we call a communication card. They're right in front of you. If you are not in a group, then here's what we're encouraging you to do. Pull the trigger with the first step. Obviously, you hadn't had time to pray about it or plan for it. But if you just know. You don't have to pray about something that's biblical. Do you understand? Like you don't pray about whether or not to go share the gospel. The Bible says. So really, that's good advice, but it's, it's not. You should do it, okay? Um <laughs> You know, told you I wasn't an expert. Yeah, so, but do you understand? Like, we don't have to pray about things that the Bible tells us we should do, right? So you can pray about, God, give me discernment what night we need to do this on, okay? But here's the deal. We want to at least give you 60 seconds to respond. And so grab a, a form, and on the back, there's four boxes. Check one of the boxes, and, and then say— your journey group. And then even, right, sign me up or give me more information about the next group link, and he'll email you— Right. I will get that, and then within the next couple of days, you will get an email with more information on Group Link and getting plugged in there. So. 
Awesome. I mean, that's the next step. And so uh, at the same time, be praying about being a leader because we need those two. We do need leaders. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Hey, we love you. Here's the deal is that the next couple of weeks, we're going to address big challenges. But I think the people that are in groups walking out biblical community see these challenges in a perspective that people who just come and sit in a seat will not. And so we know that biblical community allows us to see the church the way that God intends it to, to be seen. And so we pray that you would take this information and that you would take a next step. If you're a leader, hey, see how, how can I commit greater to my work in, in, in our group? How can I prepare? How can I plan for it? How can I get more invested? If you need, if you need information or you need resources, or you just have questions on how to better lead. I mean, when I started leading a group, I, I mean, it was two days later, I thought, uh, I don't know how to do this now. I agreed to something I didn't know how to do. But if you're in that spot, let us know. Please let us know because we want you to be able to lead well. So let us know what you need. Yeah. Let us pray for you. And then uh, we're going to watch one video and let you guys out. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We ask, God, that you would use this in a way that brings you great glory and honor and praise. And, Father, I pray that you would grow our church through the challenge of small group ministry, knowing that in our hearts we need it, but also not really sure if we want to open ourselves up and be vulnerable with a bunch of other people we don't know. That's pretty scary. But I pray, Lord, that we would see that it's worth taking the jump. And, Lord, it's, it's worth uh, committing ourselves to something that's bigger than ourselves. We love you, God. We ask for your wisdom and your help and your discernment on this. In Jesus' name, amen.